everyone. Welcome back to the Book Club Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. Um, you probably know Brene Brown from her 2010 TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, which is one of the most viewed talks in the world. And um, she studies courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. And she's the author of five number one New York Times bestsellers, which are The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, Braving the Wilderness, and Dare to Lead, which is the culmination of a seven-year study on courage and leadership. Um, She's also the first researcher to have a filmed lecture on Netflix. So if you want to check that out, um, that is available on Netflix currently. And I wanted to choose this book because this book was transformational for me as I was always such a secretive, mysterious person ever since I was little. And it has to do with my upbringing. My mom would always tell me not to share anything overly personal about myself or my family. Uh, And after following, you know, this regime for a long time, I noticed how it was affecting my friendships, my relationships, and I just knew uh, it was time for me to change. Uh, So I took steps to open myself up to people, to be vulnerable, to be uh, open. Um, So this book was definitely one of the books that helped me out the most. Uh, And it really helped me connect a lot of dots and understand what vulnerability means, what it takes to be courageous, and how empathy and vulnerability deepens our connection with others. So the first thing I want to talk about is the name of the book, Daring Greatly. Uh, Brene Brown got this phrase from Theodore Roosevelt's speech, Citizenship in a Republic, and the speech sometimes referred to as the man in the arena. It was delivered at the Sorbonne in Paris, France on April 23rd, 1910. And I will read the passage that made the speech famous because the book is based on this speech. And here we go. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in worthy cause who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Um, So the first time she read this quote, she thought, this is vulnerability. And everything she's learned over a decade of research on vulnerability has taught her this exact lesson. Um, And she defines vulnerability as not knowing victory or defeat. It's understanding the necessity of both. It's engaging. It's being all in. Um, So the section that I really liked in this book was when she was debunking the myths of vulnerability. 
And the first myth that we often hear is vulnerability is a weakness. And she says that vulnerability is the core of all emotions and feelings. To feel is to be vulnerable. To believe vulnerability is weakness is to believe that feeling is weakness. To foreclose on our emotional life out of a fear that the cost will be too high is to walk away from the very thing that gives purpose and meaning to living. So our rejection of vulnerability often stems from our associating with dark emotions like fear, shame, grief, sadness, disappointment, emotions that we don't normally want to discuss even when they profoundly affect the way we live, love, work, and even lead. So what most of us fail to understand and what took Brene Brown a decade of research to learn is that vulnerability is also the cradle of the emotions and experiences that we crave. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. And it is the source of hope, accountability and authenticity and as i mentioned earlier vulnerability is also uncertainty risk and emotional exposure that's why we're so afraid of it and with that definition in mind if we think about love and waking up every day and loving someone who may or may not love us back whose safety we can't ensure who may stay in our lives or may leave without a moment's notice that's vulnerability and love is uncertain it's incredibly risky and loving someone leaves us emotionally exposed and yes it's scary and yes we're open to being hurt but can we imagine living our lives without loving or being loved so living without vulnerability is living without love. So Brene Brown um, asked the research participants uh, to fill in the blank. Um, vulnerability is blank. So their definition of vulnerability. And some of the most popular replies were uh, vulnerability is sharing an unpopular opinion, standing up for myself, asking for help, saying no, and for me, vulnerability is doing a podcast and doing YouTube or even just social media because I feel like that is the truest form of vulnerability because I'm really putting myself out there. I'm also putting my truest self out there too. I'm not wearing any masks or I'm not trying to hide anything. And that is scary because I am completely and figuratively naked. Um, and that's what vulnerability is all about. And that is why I wanted to challenge myself to pursue this. And um, I have learned a lot. And when I first started a podcast or YouTube, my friends were super surprised because they know how private of a person I am. And I just went from, you know, being super private to being super exposed. But I am glad I'm doing this because I'm learning so much through this journey. And if you do something that scares you, that means you are growing and you are changing for the better. Um, so that completes the first myth. Um, and the second myth is I don't do vulnerability. And um, she includes this awesome quote and the quote goes when we were children we used to think that when we were grown up we would no longer be vulnerable 
But to grow up is to accept vulnerability, and to be alive is to be vulnerable. It hits too close to home.、Um, and I wanted to ask you guys: How many times have you heard people say, "Interesting topic, but I don't do vulnerability," and it's often demonstrated by a gender or a professional explanation, like, "I'm an engineer; we hate vulnerability," or "I'm a lawyer; we eat vulnerability for breakfast." Guys don't do vulnerability. I've heard people say this all the time,、uh, especially men saying, "I don't do vulnerability." So, if we look back at the list of examples of what vulnerability means to people, these are、uh, the challenges of being alive, of being in a relationship, of being connected. So, even if we choose to stay out of relationships and opt for disconnection as a form of protection, we're still alive. And that means vulnerability happens. So even if we want to or not, we are dealing with vulnerability every day. We are being vulnerable without us knowing it. And the third myth is vulnerability is letting it all hang out. So Brene Brown shares that a lot of her research participants always ask, you know, can't there be too much vulnerability? Isn't there such a thing as oversharing? And Those questions are followed by, you know, examples of celebrity culture. For example, like, what about that celebrity tweeted about her husband's suicide attempt? Or, what about reality TV stars who share the intimate details of their lives and their children's lives with the world? And she says that vulnerability is based on mutuality and requires boundaries and trust. It is not oversharing. It's not purging, and it's not celebrity-style social media information dubs. Vulnerability is about sharing our feelings and our experiences with people who have earned the right to hear them. But being vulnerable and open is mutual and an integral part of the trust-building process. And you know, we can't always have guarantees in place before we risk sharing. However. We don't bare our souls the first time we meet someone. When we don't lead with, you know, "Hi, my name is Serena, and here's my darkest struggle." That's not vulnerability. That may be desperation or woundedness or even attention seeking at times, but it's not vulnerability、um, because sharing appropriately with boundaries means sharing with people with whom we've developed relationships that can bear the weight of our story, and we gotta be careful with. Who we choose to be vulnerable because vulnerability without boundaries leads to disconnection, distrust, and disengagement. So Brene Brown also often gets asked, you know, how do I know if I can trust someone enough to be vulnerable? And that's exactly something I was confused with for a long time、um, because at first I have to trust that person to be able to share something that's important for me. And Brene Brown says that we need to feel trust to be vulnerable, and we need to be vulnerable in order to trust. So there is no trust test, no scoring system, no green light that tells us that it's safe to let ourselves be seen. And the research participants described trust as a slow-building, layered process that happens over time. So in this section, Brene Brown includes this awesome part from. Um, her friend author John Gottman,、uh, and the book is called *The Science of Trust: Emotional Attunement for Couples*, and it is about how. 
people build trust. And he gives example from his own relationship. So one night, he really wanted to finish a mystery novel, and he thought he knew who the killer was, but he was anxious to find out. And at one point in the night, he put the novel on his bedside and walked into the bathroom. And as he passed the mirror, he saw his wife's face in the reflection, and she looked sad brushing her hair. There was a sliding door moment, and he had a choice. He could sneak out of the bathroom and think, I don't want to deal with her sadness tonight. I just want to read my novel. But instead, because he's a sensitive researcher of relationships, he decided to go into the bathroom and he took the brush from her hair and asked, What's the matter, baby? And she told why she was sad. And now at that moment, he was building trust. He was there for her and he was connecting with her rather than choosing to think only about what he wanted. And these are the moments we've discovered that build trust. One such moment is not that important, but if you're always choosing to turn away, then trust erodes in a relationship very gradually, very slowly. So trust is a product of vulnerability that grows over time and it requires work and attention. It is definitely not something that happens overnight, um, but it really needs full engagement and care. The fourth myth is we can go it alone. The vulnerability journey is not the kind of journey we can make alone. We definitely need support we need people who will let us try on new ways of being without judging us. And across the course of Brene Brown's research, um, participants were very clear about their need for support, encouragement, and sometimes professional help as they re-engage with vulnerability and their emotional lives. And going back to Roosevelt's Man in the Arena speech, Brene Brown also learned that the people who loves her, the people that she really depends on, were never the critics who were pointing at her while she stumbled. They weren't in the bleachers at all, but they were actually with her in the arena, fighting for her and fighting with her. Therefore, vulnerability is not something that we can go it alone. It is something that needs support and help from the others. So the interesting thing about this book and about Brene Brown is vulnerability wasn't always part of her life and she wasn't always so self-aware. Um, her motto was actually to keep everyone at a safe distance and always have an exit strategy. Um, and along with her fear of vulnerability, she also inherited a huge heart and ready empathy. Uh, so in her late 20s, she left a management position at AT&T and got a job waiting tables and bartending. And then she went back to school to become a social worker. And the surest thing she took away from her bachelor's of social worker and a master's and PhD is that connection is why we're here on this earth. We are hardwired to connect with others. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. And without it, there's suffering. So then uh, she says that by accident, she became a shame and empathy researcher, spending six years developing a theory that explains what shame is, how it works, and how we cultivate resilience in the face of believing that we're not enough, that we're not worthy of love and belonging. 
In 2006, she realized that in addition to understanding shame, she had to understand the flip side. What do the people who are the most resilient to shame, who believes in their worthiness, and she calls these people the wholehearted. And she asked herself, what do these people, the wholehearted people, have in common? Um, So in her other bestseller book, Gifts of Imperfection, she defined 10 guideposts for a wholehearted living that point to what the wholehearted work to cultivate and what they work to let go of. So I'm going to quickly go over these 10 guideposts. Uh, They were super helpful for me, so I hope it'll be informational for you as well. Uh, The first one is cultivating authenticity by letting go of what people think. Two is cultivating self-compassion by letting go of perfectionism. Three is cultivating a resilient spirit, letting go of numbing and powerlessness. The fourth one is cultivating gratitude and joy by letting go of scarcity and fear of the dark. The fifth one is cultivating intuition and trusting faith and letting go of the need for certainty. Six is cultivating creativity and letting go of comparison. Seven is cultivating play and rest and letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. Eight is cultivating calm and stillness by letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. Nine is cultivating meaningful work by letting go of self-doubt and supposed to's. Ten and the last one is cultivating laughter, song, and dance and letting go of being cool and always in control. Um, So in my other book club, um, we actually uh, talked about this and each of us rated where we're at from zero to ten for each of these guideposts. And after doing that exercise, it was clear to me how many of these guideposts that I really needed to work on and what I was doing well too. Um, So I highly encourage you to uh, work on this exercise as well. I think you can just Google uh, 10 guideposts for wholehearted living and find the list. And this book has a lot to cover because each chapter was speaking to me on a whole another level and I can't go over every chapter, although I really, really want to. Um, So the last chapter that I will quickly, quickly go over will be the scarcity, the never enough problem. I'm sure uh, a lot of people struggle with this problem. I know I do, and it only takes a few seconds before people fill in the blanks with their own tapes. For example, you know, never good enough, never perfect enough, never thin enough, never powerful enough, never successful enough. And uh, one of Brene Brown's favorite writers on scarcity is a global activist and fundraiser, Lynn Twist. And in her book, she refers to scarcity as the great lie. She writes that for me and for many of us, our first walking thought of the day is, I did not get enough sleep. The next one is, I don't have enough time. Whether true or not, that thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of the hours in the days of our lives hearing, explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. Before we even sit up in bed, before our feet touch the floor, 
We're already inadequate, already behind, already losing, already lacking something. Our minds are racing with a list of what we didn't get or didn't get done that day. And we go to sleep burdened by those thoughts and、uh, wake up to that reverie of lack. This internal condition of scarcity, this mindset of scarcity, lives at the very heart of our jealousies, our greed, our prejudice, and our own arguments with life. And I love this passage because I truly think it's true. We wake up feeling that we're not good enough. And if we start our day already behind on something, already feeling that we're not good enough, like we can just tell how the day's gonna go. So, worrying about scarcity is our culture's version of post traumatic stress. And it happens when we've been through too much. And rather than coming together to heal, which requires vulnerability, by the way, we're angry and scared and at each other's throats. And it's not just the larger culture that's suffering.、Um, Brene Brown also finds the same dynamics playing out in the family culture, work culture, school culture, and community culture. And they all share the same formula of shame, comparison, and disengagement. And scarcity bubbles up from these conditions and perpetuates them until a critical mass of people start making different choices and reshaping the smaller cultures they belong to. So I believe that to reshape the smaller culture,、um, we definitely need to address the scarcity problem in our own lives. We need to start. With ourselves.、Um, therefore, I think everyone should realize, including me, that we are worthy of love, that we are enough in every possible setting.、Um, and to start our day just thinking that we are good enough to do anything that we set our mind to. So, this book. Has been so transformational, as I said, and it has so many other chapters that is worth a read.、Um, so, if you have some time on your hand, I definitely recommend reading this book. It will、uh, help you understand your emotions, help you understand how you can deal with、um, emotions, and how by being open and by being vulnerable with your friends, with your loved ones.、Um, You can go through life a little bit easier. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you found something helpful from、uh, Brene Brown's book. And、uh, if you have some time, definitely check this book out. And I will see you guys in the next one. Bye.